Well, where were you born and raised? Don't yell at one time. But, but uh, you know, it's always interesting when you talk to people about being born and raised. Where, where were you born and raised? And we're so proud of that. And very often you can tell where a person was born. You can tell at least if they're from the south or from the north and those kind of things. You can always tell that. You can always tell somebody's from Maine. You can always tell that because they're always, because did you pop the car? You know, you, you know, so, you know <laughs> stuff like that. You, and uh, you can always tell. And then it's hard to tell in Polk County where people are from because Polk County is like a little world. You know, you can go to Lakeland or Winter Haven, come downtown, and maybe we have a little bit of a southern accent, but it's sort of a blend kind of thing. Then you can drive just 10 or 15 miles south and go to Fort Meade, and it sounds like you're in South Georgia. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just great. But being born and raised is a big deal. You know, we're always usually proud of where we were born and raised, and, and we act a certain way and maybe, maybe talk a certain way because of that. Well, you know, the Bible tells us that we are not just born, but if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're born again, right? So let me ask you a question. Do people know that you're born again when they see you? Can they tell by the way that you act? Can they tell by the way you live your life? Can they tell by those things, the way you treat other people, the way you love, the way you serve, the grace that you show, the mercy you show, the kindness you show, your fervor for Christ? Can, can they tell that you are born again? Well, you know, today we're going to be talking about that, we're going to start this new series called Born Again and Raised. And we're going to be in the book of Colossians. We have been there for a while. And uh, the, the book of Colossians is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a church in a little city called Colossa. Uh, it was inland, uh, you know, it, it was not a coastal city. The, the way the church got started, Paul was preaching in a city on the coast called Ephesus, and uh, a guy named Epaphras that lived in Colossa, along with a few other people, went to see Paul preach uh, in the, the city of Ephesus. And while they were there, they placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and became believers. They went back to Colossa, and this guy named Epaphras, one of that group, decided he was going to start a church. So he starts this brand new Christian, starts a brand new church in a city that there are no other Christian churches so Christianity was new on the scene, and, um, and, and this problem developed because there were all these pagan belief systems that in the culture of that day, there was Judaism, there were all kind of pagan belief systems. And so those people, uh, as the new church got started and they reached out to people, people were coming to visit the new church and they were coming from all these different belief systems and they were coming in and they were trying to sort of mesh their beliefs and some of the things that they held dear in their former belief systems with Christianity. And it was confusing the young Christians in the church. And Epaphras was concerned about that. So he contacted the Apostle Paul and he said, I need a little help. So Paul wrote this letter that we have, the, the book of Colossians, to help them understand um, what being a Christian was, who Jesus was. And, and that's what we've been talking about over the last number of weeks. Well, today we're going to begin in Colossians in chapter 3. And, uh, and if you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and turn there. But when, when we get to Colossians chapter 3, Paul does something interesting. He's been talking about the supremacy of Christ and what a Christian looks like and what a Christian is and, and, and how the church is and works and all that stuff. He's been talking about all these different theological things. And then he gets to this part of the letter in chapter 3, and he sort of turns a corner 
he starts now addressing very practical things for the Christians. He starts talking about things like their personal lives, how they're supposed to conduct their personal lives, their spiritual life, their family life, uh, their business life, and all those kind of things. So he really gets personal and starts talking about practical Christian living, how you're supposed to live your life for Christ, what that should look like. So now that he's got them, you know, understanding who Jesus is and all the theological stuff, now he goes, okay, now you're Christians, you're in this community, what's your life supposed to look like? And so we're going to start taking a look at that today. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I titled today's message, Basic Christian Living. Because really, Paul is taking us back to the basics. He's, he's taking these people back and, and, and teaching them the very basics of what it looks like to be a Christian. And, and so we're being reminded of those basics through this. Now, some of you are mature Christians, and you've been, you've been Christ followers for a long time. And, uh, and you're saying, oh, good grief, I know all this stuff. And, but let me just tell you something. We all need to be reminded of this stuff regularly. Because as we're going to see as I talk about this today, there are a lot of things out there today that crowd into our lives and push Jesus out of the picture. And we make other things the priority instead of Christ. And so we're going to take a look at what Paul says today about basic Christian living. And uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, um, let's read it. Uh, Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words that Paul penned so many years ago. We thank you, God, that through this letter, he has been teaching us about who you are and how we should respond and react to you and put our faith and trust in you and how you're, Jesus is supreme in all things. We've, we've learned a lot of stuff about theology. And now as he turns the corner and begins to get practical, God, help us to see how we should relate to each other and how we should live our lives on a day-by-day basis for Christ. And Father, help us not get, to not get sidetracked thinking that, hey, this is really basic stuff. Help us to understand that things really rise and fall on the basics, and we need to keep the main thing the main thing. And so, Father, I pray that you'll speak to us, that you'll open our hearts, our minds, our ears, God, that you will transform us and change us by what we hear, and and that we will walk out of this place living what we've learned. And God, we'll give you the glory for that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, well, so we read read these verses in Colossians, and and remember, these people that these born-again Christians that Paul is writing to. He's, he's writing to the believers in the church there. And there are people who understand that basics are important for success, and they're learning that basics are important. I think that all of us understand that basics are important. You know, in, in life, we always, when something's not going right, you're on a big project at work and all, and something gets a little haywire and things start going a little crazy, we always say, get back to the basics, Right? You, you can t- look at sports on television. Anytime you're, you'll see those, you know, the, the, the football game. Let's use football as an example. Football, the, that, the game's being played, and now it's halftime, and the coaches are scurrying off the fields, and the reporter runs up there and puts the microphone in front of the coach. Whether they're winning or losing, they always say the same thing. We're doing this pretty good, doing that pretty good. But here's what we've got to do. We've got to get back to the basics. We've got to get back to the basics. 
But the basics are always important. The basics are a foundation. And in Christianity, it's exactly the same. There are basics. There are things that we need to get back to. There's so many things in Christianity today, that so many different nuances. There's so many different uh, things that we can study in Christianity, different aspects of Christianity. And, we can, we can, and all those things are good, and we should learn as much as we can, and we can move in one direction and move in another. We can get hung up in one area, and, uh, you know, and that's all we care about and all we're focused on. We, we're just all, all about that. But let me just tell you something. What we need to do and the answer to all of our problems and the answer to a great life and the answer to bringing glory to God and advancing the kingdom and the answer for us being blessed is to do the basics of Christianity. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And the first thing that I want you to see is that getting back to the basics requires, number one, that we understand the guidelines. There are guidelines. We understand the guidelines. Paul says in verses 1 and 2, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, okay, if if you're a believer, you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Paul is saying that since you've embraced Christ, since you're now a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, here are the things that you need to focus on and the things that you need to make a priority in your life. And he keeps it really simple. He doesn't, he doesn't you know, make this complicated. It's not convoluted. You know, it's, it's, it's real clear. He says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. He's saying, listen, you you need to put your mind on heavenly things if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, that phrase, set your hearts, that phrase literally means to seek. It means to seek the things that are above. In the Greek, when you're studying the original language in this stuff, the Greek, it's in the present tense. That, the, the, the phrase there is in the present tense. And that means it indicates a continuous action. So that what Paul is saying to these people, and they would have understood this, is you need to continue to seek things that are above. You need, in other words, you need to make the things that are above your priority. You don't let, need to let all of the things around you start hindering you, start getting in the way of the main thing being the main thing. You need to set your minds on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. I don't have to tell you that in our life, in your life, in my life, that as a Christian, when you put those words before you say, I am a Christian, you put that in the description of who you are, you're a Christ follower, and when you've put your faith trust in Jesus Christ, I don't have to tell you that there are a million things that will try, that Satan will use to try to pull you away from being centered on making Jesus Christ the priority of your life and focusing on Jesus and and doing what you should do. There are a million things. You know, you come to church on Sunday and you hear sermons, we sing songs and, you know, those kind of things. And maybe you do a, a, hopefully do a little quiet time in the mornings or in, in the evenings or something. You have a Bible study time. But when you step out of this church, and when you step out into the world, one of the things that we see is that there are eight million things that compete for your time with Christ. And Paul, and that's what Paul is really talking about here. He's trying to tell the people that you've got to push all that stuff aside, and you've got to focus on Jesus. And, and, and think about their culture. Think about these brand new Christians sitting in this church 
in, in, the, in the church in Colossa, brand spanking new Christians with a, with a pastor that's, that's a new Christian himself. And all these people are coming in and they're saying that, yeah, this is great. This Jesus thing is cool and it's great and we like it. We think this is something, yeah, hey, this could be worth following and all that. But, but you know what you need to do? You know, back where in my old religion, we used to carve images of gods out of wood and we, you probably need to carve a couple images of what you think, you know, Jesus looks like or whatever. And, and, or, or maybe, you know, in our former religion, we used to keep all these festivals and offer all these sacrifices. So yeah, you, Jesus is great, but you still need to keep all the festivals. You still need to, to, to keep all the sacrifices. And so what they're saying basically is you need Jesus plus all this other stuff. And so it's getting, so the message is getting all, you know, messed up and, and, it, and it's getting confusing to the people and they're trying to figure out what to really believe. And Paul is saying, here's what you need to do. You need to get back to the basics. You need to make Jesus the main thing and forget about all this other stuff. Okay, and just let me tell you, in our culture today, there are a million things that pull you and me away from Jesus. Our culture is not really Jesus-friendly. Have you noticed that? And, and so we have to stand firm. If we have a relationship with Jesus, we've got to keep our eye on the prize. We've got to make the main thing the main thing. We have to understand there are guidelines. And we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. These people were losing focus and they were so wrapped up in trying to deal with all this stuff, Paul needs to address it. He said, listen, you guys, you gotta quit listening to all this mess. You've gotta quit listening to the culture around you, telling you all this garbage that they're telling you, because I, I'm just gonna tell you this. I'm just telling you, I know this. I'm not, it's not because I'm a really smart guy, it's just because I just know this. You know what the answer to all this mess we are facing in this world is today? It's a relationship with Jesus. Amen. That's the answer to the deal. The gospel is the answer. Amen. The gospel's the answer. We hear all these things framed in different ways, and everybody, but, but the gospel is the answer. And these people were losing focus, and he says, get refocused. Set your hearts and minds on the thing above. Let me ask you a question. When, when, when Paul says to set our hearts and minds on the things above, how do we know what those things are? That's a big question. Because if Paul says, okay, and he's telling you and me today, set your hearts and minds on things above. Seek the things that are above. Seek, continue to seek. Don't ever stop seeking. Seek Christ as a priority. H how do you know what to do? This is how you know what to do. Amen. See, we're talking about getting back to the basics. This isn't rocket science. God has given us his revealed will in this book. God has provided to you and me, this is my will. This, you ever wonder what God's will is? Read this. This is his will. So he's given us his will, his revealed will in this book. You, you can never set your mind and your hearts on things above unless you dig into God's word. You can pray as well. You ought to pray as well and talk to God. And, you know, and, and, and I understand that, but you need God's word. You have it available to you. You ought to be using God's word. And sadly, we don't use it as much as we, we should. So, but we need to look in Scripture to see what God says are the things we need to be looking at. How are you supposed to live your life? How is your marriage supposed to work? How are your finances supposed to work? How are you supposed to have that relationship at work with your boss or with your employees? How are you supposed to relate to your kids and your kids relate to you? You know, what, how, how do you deal with all this stuff? It's all in God's Word. And, and, and when we're focused on that, when we pass, this is the way, I, the way I always say it, I pass everything in my life, I try to pass through the Jesus filter. What would he want me to do? You know, I know it, it's become cliche and they've sold the bracelets and you bought the t-shirts. What would Jesus do? But really and truly, what would he do? 
What does Jesus have to say about this? Does God's word have something to say about this? How do I make him the priority of my life? That's what Paul was saying to these people. Quit just getting sidetracked by all this mess and keep your eyes on Jesus. And then, matter of fact, there's a, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 6, there's an incredible verse that says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. you do you know what that, that, is, that verse means? It means that if you make Jesus your priority, everything, don't, don't let all this other stuff, don't be tempted by this stuff, don't be pulled away. Keep your focus on Jesus. If you will seek Jesus first, then the rest of life will work. That's what that verse says. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So getting back to the basic requires that we understand the guidelines, that we understand the things we just talked about, but we also need to understand the reason for the guidelines. There's a reason for the guidelines. In Colossians 3.3, it says, here, listen to this verse. It says, for you have died. No, it's talking about us as believers. It says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, Paul provides the reason right here that we should set our hearts on the things above and not go so, get so caught up in the things of the world. And what he says, he goes, here's the reason. You have died. You have died. Now, in the original language, in Greek, and, and, and do you know what that, that phrase means, you have died? Now, this is a, you need, you need to listen carefully. You need to never forget this. This, I'm going to give you a Greek lesson. Okay, this is, I've waited for years. I've went to seminary all that time. I'm going to give you a Greek lesson right now. Y'all ready for a Greek lesson? Okay, here's what you have died means in Greek. Okay, here it is. You have died. Okay, there it is right there. So you know some Greek. Now you feel real theologically astute. So here's the deal. It means you have died. Well, you have died to what? It means that the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have died to your old way of life. You're, that's dead. It's gone. Buried. You know, baptisms. What, what, what do we do with baptisms? What do we say? Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. It's a symbolic act saying, I'm publicly professing before all of you that I have died to my old way of life and I've been raised to walk in new life. So we've died to our old way of life. And he says, listen, you, you, you need to understand the reason for these guidelines because you have died to your old way of life. And, and things have changed. Listen to this, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. What does passed away mean? Died, right? It means died. So the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You see, at the moment of salvation for you, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, everything changes. You died to your old way of life, and you've been raised to walk in a new life. You were given a brand new start at that moment, a brand new life at that moment. But look at the next phrase. It says, you have died, and then it says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now that phrase, hidden in Christ with God, means a few different things. One thing it means is that, that we share a common life now because we put our faith and trust in Jesus with God the, the, the Father and God the, the Son. We now have the Holy Spirit living in us. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Well, now that you have the Spirit living inside of you, you now share something in common with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, but he who is joined to the Lord, that's somebody that puts their faith and trust in Jesus, becomes one spirit with him. 
We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. For the first time in our lives, we have access to God. We can now rely on his power, on his provision, on his help. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is also, listen to this, hidden from the world. It's concealed from the world. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment about this because this helps us understand why so many people are confused about a new believer's change in life. You know, when I became a Christian and uh, became a believer, some of my friends back and I was kind of young back there, and, and my friends didn't get it. They did not understand why, what had happened to me. You know, they didn't understand why I, I was different, why I wouldn't do some of the things that I used to do, why I chose not to go to some places that I used to go to. And they, did, they, did, they didn't get it. And, they, and, and no matter, I would try to explain it to them, and they just couldn't see it. Well, you know why they couldn't see it? Because the only way you can see it is if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and reveals it to you. And so they couldn't see what I had in me. I had the Holy Spirit of God living in me, and I was pumped up and fired up and excited and all this stuff, life change going on, and they're just looking at me like, you have lost your mind. You ever, how about you? You got anybody in your life like that? Family members, friends? Got any of those people? They just don't get it? Well, don't, you don't get discouraged. Just keep praying for them. It's not maybe that, it's, it, it's, probably, well, I know it is because they don't get it because they don't have it. You have to have the Holy Spirit of God living in you to see the, the truth of the light of the gospel. And, and, you know, maybe you've experienced that kind of thing. But listen to what 1 Corinthians says. It says the natural person, that's a person that does not have a relationship with Jesus. It says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the only way you can understand the things of God is if the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And until that Holy Spirit indwells a person, they're never gonna understand the things of God. And that's what he's telling us. So when we're, we're hidden with, uh, in, in, with Christ in God, that's what we're, one of the things it's talking about here is, is that, that external hiding that takes place that people can't see what we have inside of us. We have to keep sharing it and telling it to them in the hopes that they will come to know it and come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You, you know, these, these false teachers that were coming into the Colossian church, you know, they were... They were trying their best to convince the Colossians that they needed Jesus plus something else. They just couldn't see it. They could not understand why the Colossians thought it's just Jesus. We just need Jesus. That's all we need. They couldn't understand it. Why? They couldn't see it. The Bible even says that Satan has blinded the eyes of those people. But your life is hidden with Christ in God. Another thing that I believe when it says that our life is hidden is, is that, that it's, it's hidden and safe. This also means that we're hidden and protected from all spiritual foes. I'm going to read you a passage. I love this passage of scripture. Blessed be the God and Father. This is 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just giving praise to God, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because, why are we blessing him? Because according to his great mercy, because of his mercy, his grace, not because of anything that we've done just because he wanted to do it, because of his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and listen to this, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and listen to this phrase, here's what I want you to hang on to for a minute, kept in heaven for you. Your salvation is, 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 is hidden. You're hidden with Christ in God. Your salvation is secure. Why? Because it's not up to you to keep your salvation. The one who gave it to you is hanging on to it till you get to heaven. Did you, did, you don't believe me? You apparently don't. You don't act like you do. So, so you're saved to an inheritance, heaven, and go into heaven, an eternity with God in heaven that is imperishable. And he uses all these words to make the point. You just, it can't be messed up. It's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. And then he says these words, kept in heaven for you. Who's keeping it? God's keeping it. If it was up to you to keep your own salvation, you'd lose it every 13 seconds. But God keeps it for you. So we need to understand the guidelines and the reason for the guidelines, but we also need to understand the reward for living by the guidelines. There's a reward when you live by the guidelines. Listen to this, Colossians 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, you know what one of the things that motivates people are? Rewards. Don't you like rewards? Do you? Do y'all like anything? I just would like to know every day. Do you like anything? Anything? Rewards. Don't you like rewards? I love rewards. I like to get rewards. Let me tell you, matter of fact, just not too long ago, my wife and I, you know, we were sort of downsized a little bit and, 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 and we're doing some things and I decided to do some different things financially. And so what we did is we went out and we got an Apple card. We got an Apple credit card and we put everything we buy in life on that Apple credit card. And I pay it off a couple times a month. I make sure never no interest ever. I pay that thing off. But we put everything in the, why in the world would I do that? Because of rewards. Listen, listen. Some things you get 1% back. Some two. And on a good day, three. Three. Do you hear what I'm saying? You get money back when you buy stuff, Okay. And so I'm like, we're going to do that because I want the money back. I'm getting a discount every time I do something. And then I went and downloaded another app. Anybody ever heard of an app called Get Upside? Yeah. Oh, listen, listen, people are raising their hands. are more happy about Upside than Jesus. <laughs> I mean, listen, listen to me. This app, you can go to a gas station. Sometimes you might get 10% back on a gallon just for using the app. I went to Culver's one night. Because my daughter and my son-in-law and our grandkids were over, and I went and bought dinner, and, and I went to Culver's. It's about 50 bucks for the bill. And I, and I go to Culver's, and I got 3% back on my Apple card, 3%, and 7 back on Upside. I got 5 bucks back on a $50 bill. Now, I, I'm just telling you, if that doesn't get you excited, something's wrong with you. Okay. Let me just tell you, some of you young people are going, what are you talking about? Well, just wait till you're 65. All of a sudden, you can see the end out there, and you're going, better, better get every dollar I can get here. 
right? But I'm just telling you, we like rewards. Don't we love rewards? Why do we do stuff? Why do we download apps? Why do we do stuff? Why do we think about stuff like that? We like rewards. We like to be rewarded for things. When you're at work and you do something good, you like a pat on the back. You like somebody to say something nice about what you did. You want somebody to do that. Well, Paul right here is saying, listen, there are rewards coming to you when you live by the guidelines. There there are rewards coming to you. Guess what the reward is? You get eternal life with God in heaven. You get heaven. Now, is that a reward? That's a reward right there. You get eternal life. Now, listen, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you. And this is just kind of a little different. But when I read it, I was, this scripture came to mind when I was doing this. And I'm like, this is one of the cool things about going to heaven right here. This is a cool thing. Listen, Revelation, and I know I'm going to read out of Revelation. Some of you right now, you know, cover your ears if you think, oh, I can't stand that Revelation stuff. It's, you need to listen to this. It's good stuff. All right, here it is. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. John writes, he says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. Now listen to verse 14. And armies, and the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, and it is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now listen, listen. Did you hear verse 14? And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Do you know who that is? It's you if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's going to be on a big old stallion, and you're going to be right behind him on your stallion, and you get to participate in God's amazing plan because you get heaven as a reward for following the guidelines. Isn't that incredible? I can't wait. I have a, I, we used to have horses when I was growing up. We, we had cows and a little bit, and we, so we had some horses and, and, uh, and, and actually rode a little bit, but never a whole lot. But people that have horses just love horses, but you're not, you've never seen a horse like you're going to be riding. You're going to be arrayed in white linen and have that white horse make a great movie. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be beautiful. Can you wait? I mean, you get that. I, I don't know why I picked that verse, but I'm just like, when I read that, I'm going, I'm going to talk to them about this. This is cool right here, and I'm just telling you, this is cool. Right here. I, I, I can't wait till I'm, I'm on the horse. Th- that's going to be incredible. We get heaven. We get a reward. And, and so there's a reward for all of this. And we get to go to heaven. Now, I know the Bible describes heaven. It's hard to understand when you read about heaven and you read about eternity. But it, you can't even describe heaven. Words in our little finite minds cannot, uh, cannot understand the infinite God who is describing this to us. But we can get a glimpse of it. We just know he describes it as it's too beautiful to be described, right? I mean, streets that are made of gold and, and, and no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more anxiety, no more stress, no more financial problems, none of that stuff that we deal with here. We just get to bask in the glory of our almighty God for all eternity and everything is beautiful, right, pure, wholesome, no more sadness, that's your reward. That's crazy. But we get that reward. 
Does that sound like a place you want to go? Does it sound just like a place you want to go? Man. But you got to understand the basics. You see, Paul is telling these people, look, you got to embrace Christ. You got to make him number one in your life. You got to understand what that means. And you got to understand that you've died to your old way of life and you've been risen to walk in a new life. And you've got to embrace that. And you need to understand that there's a reward for doing that. That because of what you've done, there is this inheritance that you get that's, that's imperishable and undefiled and all the things that we talked about and kept in heaven for you. You need to understand this. This is basic stuff. But he wanted those Christians in that Colossian church to understand and never forget what they had and what it meant and the sacrifice that was given and what they should keep their focus on. And what I want to encourage you to do today is I want you to keep your focus on the same thing. I I know right now in our culture and in the world that we live in, there are so many things that can pull you in different directions and there are so many things to get worked up about. And I think you ought to stand up and fight for the things that are right. But I'm just telling you guys, the answer to all this stuff is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and so you need that. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do over the course of this next week. One of the things I want you to do is I want you to make it, I want you to read the, the word of God. I don't know if you have a time when you do that every day, but I want you to not miss a day between now and next Sunday. I want you to read your Bible every day, spend some time, spend a little bit of time in prayer and talk to God and just see what God does. Because that's where we learn how to live by the guidelines. That's where we learn how to live lives that are pleasing to God, that bring him glory, that advance his kingdom and his cause. That's where we learn how to do that. But listen, you can't do any of that stuff without a relationship with Jesus because remember, Paul's writing this letter to believers. And as we've talked about that today and we talked about dying to your old life and being raised to walk in a new life, you have to do that. You have to die to your old life. Well, how how do you do that? By placing your faith and your trust in Jesus. And you have to come to a place where you recognize and realize this is what I need to do. You have to desire that and say, and, and, and God reaches into you and you know, if, if, if right now you know, if you're in this room, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt if God is talking to you about this right now. You know. And if he's saying to you, you know what, you need to get this right, then you need to place your faith and trust in Jesus. And, I, and maybe you don't know how to do that. It's, it, you got to pray. Now I'll pray with you and I'll help lead you in a prayer, but my prayer is not the prayer that does it for you, it's your prayer. But close your eyes right now. Just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. God, I love you. And God, right now I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. And I'm asking you to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And I'm asking you to make me one of your children. And the best way that I know how I commit my life to you right now, in Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision today, when we sing here at the end of the service, we're going to sing a song. And a beautiful song. We're going to you know, participate in that. And as we're doing that, I would invite you to go to the back of the room and there's people with lanyards on and t-shirts that say prayer. And they are there to pray with you, to talk to you, to answer your questions, to whatever you need in your journey with Christ. They want to help you out. Maybe you're a believer and you're here today. You've been a believer for a long time, but maybe if the truth is known, some of the things of this world have crowded into your life and they've taken precedence over your relationship with Jesus and something else is your priority. Maybe it's a hobby Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's making money. Maybe it's a relationship. Something has taken precedence in your life over your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Anything in life that takes precedence over Jesus is an idol. And so maybe you need to pray with someone and just just repent of that and recommit your life to Christ. 
Maybe you need to make your way to one of these crosses and put a prayer request up on the cross. We pray for those each week in our staff meeting. I don't know what you need to do, but stand with us now as we continue to worship and do whatever God leads you to do.